It's April 5th, 2021. This is Rook. certainly takes strength, perseverance, and personality to survive as a provocative Persian satirist and commentator at the top of the game for almost two decades. And even when you've been called the John Stewart of Iran, well, John Stewart didn't really face death threats from the main regime he was satirizing. Combi's Hosseini has been a groundbreaking broadcaster, actor, interviewer, and opinionator on TV and radio for years. And he joins me today for a rare in-depth English interview to talk about being the voice to millions of Iranians broadcast from the diaspora. A feature interview with Kambiz Hosseini coming up. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode number 99 of Rook. We got 99 episodes and this is one of them. We're coming to you from Toronto, Canada with salute to uh, all of you joining us from around the world. We are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. You can find us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, CastBox, and Telegram. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hello, Jian. Hello, Groovy Shaya. Hi, Jian. And hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Kambi's Hosseini. I'm a longtime fan of his. I think he's done really important work. He's been tireless, this guy, doing it for years. From one show to another, he's weekly. There he is. There he is interviewing, commenting, uh, offering opinions, holding people to account. Very interested to talk to this guy, to pin this guy down a little bit. Me, me, <laughs> me and Combi is going in the ring together. I'm very, very uh, happy that he's coming on the show, and uh, he'll be joining us in just a few moments from New York City. I know you're a fan, right, Shia? Oh, big time, yeah. I'm a fan of Combi's for, I mean, from the first episode of the Parasite that I, I, I saw, yeah. I, I, I became his fan. And apparently, Keon, you can't stand him. Is that correct? <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. It's just sometimes yeah, you say you things the, about our guests. <laughs> You're the king of putting words in my mouth. <laughs> Shot you a look of horror. No, he put you off. You're not sure. You're not sure if I... I no, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally, I know nothing I had about to, this. It all felt too deferential. I had to shake it up a bit. Uh, I know. We're, no, we're all looking forward to having... It sounds interesting. On. Yes. Um, this, uh, this Thursday... So today is the 99th episode of Rook. Crazy. And uh, if I just do the math correctly, that's th- that means the next episode, number 100... Our 100th episode. episode. The yes. sound of three people clapping. <laughs> there are three people clapping for that. They're all in the studio. Um, our 100th episode also intersecting with the beginning of a week of festivities for our one-year anniversary. We launched almost exactly a year ago. And uh, we've been talking about the fact that for our 100th episode, we have a special guest. So I'm going to announce that guest right now. Are you going to do it? Why wait? Yes. 
Captain Reza was coming up with all kinds of contests and things like we, we were supposed to, I don't know, <laughs> no. hang something and like ask <laughs> people if they can identify. It was getting complicated. So let's just announce it. It is no exaggeration to say that this guest is a legend when it comes to uh, contemporary Iranian music. He is an icon. It's Shia. Shia is, <laughs> Shia is going to be the, we're keeping it in-house. No, he is an iconic, beloved, respected Iranian-American composer, songwriter, instrumentalist. He's the man with the satin voice. Fatomars Asloni is going yeah. to be our, our guest for the 100th episode. We're clapping. I'm excited. This is a new thing where we clap at the end. Of, uh, this is one of his first interviews ever certainly the one first one in years broadcast wow. interviews in english uh and certainly his most comprehensive one i am so grateful i know we all are that farmers is coming on the show we're doing it on video as well we'll be releasing both at the same time the the entire episode with video uh this thursday our 100th episode farmers aslani listen if you're an iranian in the diaspora of a certain age or something that you don't know farmers you know, i probably do know at least one of his songs or a couple of them but if or if you're a non-iranian who you should look this guy up mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna say this during the interview but i think he's the closest we get to a persian uh, an iranian leonard cohen both in terms of the the majesty of his voice and his voice meaning you know what he's saying but also the fact that unlike many of our iconic singers he he wrote this stuff i mean he writes mm-hmm. the songs you know he's he's this guy is a is very unique mm-hmm. in terms of what he has done in his career so Faraz Aslani uh, on Thursday, and we couldn't be more excited about it. You know what I call this uh, this April? You know, we're kicking off this April with uh, combis and now. Uh, so what do you call all it? All killer, no filler, Shia. <laughs> all killer, like no filler. <laughs> okay. like it. You know when you put the album out and uh-huh. songs six and seven uh-huh. kind of filler tracks yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones that your brother wrote you know <laughs> and you kind of feel like you have to put them on the record you got none of that this is all killer no filler more rock less talk shia more rock less talk oh with the rhymes yeah well this is some old shit radio sayings <laughs> but i mean come on someone's got to say it. Uh, next Monday, speaking of which, so all killer, no filler April. Next Monday, our 101st episode, Dr. Farzan Emilani, the foremost expert on um, Iranian female writers, will join me for a chat about the impact and influence of Iranian women in literature, and particularly Furuk Farahzad. Uh, Farzan Emilani, she is just brilliant, uh, an author and poet herself. She will be joining us for a feature interview next Monday, and then next week for our 102nd episode, all killer, no filler. Kian. Waiting for it. What is the Farsi of all killer, no filler? Hamash uh, Koshtani. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's interesting. What's the Farsi for all? Like I mean, it's, it's the internal Hamad. rhyme that's the exciting yeah, yeah. part. But I, I, I you'll come you up with yeah. something. Next Thursday on our 102nd episode, Pune Odusi from uh, BBC World, a presenter, an editor, a journalist, a producer. Um, she's had a remarkable career herself. She will be joining us. So... Looking forward to all of that. All killer, no filler. And uh, we kicked things off. uh, You know, last week we had some great guests. Uh, Our our Kimia Yousafi Mm -hmm. is, she's burning up the charts there with her her Instagram. And, and, you know, I think there's thousands and thousands of people have streamed uh, our interview with her last Thursday. And, of course, uh, Aravon and uh, Bahador Alast last week. We also had a great Friday night on Clubhouse. I think it was great for everybody except for me. 
Why? Well, because we were talking about language. We were talking about uh, linguistics, and we were talking about uh, accents and whether people are judged on the way they speak. Mm-hmm. We had a, some fabulous guests. You guys were all great, you know, speaking. But um, I was able to rope in my dear sister, my brilliant sister. Oh, right. Dr. Gila Gomesh, who is a linguistics, you know, chair of the linguistics department at her university and, you know, a great author. And she was so impressive that at the end of the clubhouse, I got all these messages. That was great. Your sister is amazing. (laughs) I mean, as if this hasn't been what I've dealt with all my life. I don't know if Abbas Milani feels this way about Farzad (laughs) Emilani. <laughs> you know, you know it's just like, like okay yeah I get it my sister's great I mean people would say Clubhouse was so good you know uh, I never imagined your sister would be <laughs> like what are they I mean what am I you know if they couldn't they were so surprised Shia left me a long message uh, so it was such <laughs> it, it was an honor <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, he's getting older every episode. Yeah. He's 85 he years to, old. He has to swallow. <laughs> to, uh, your sister was uh, so uh, fantastic. Anyway, my sister was fantastic. Uh, Rook, uh, join us, find us on Clubhouse if you're so inclined. We do our Rook Town Hall every week on Fridays. I'm wondering if we're going to move the, 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 the time a little earlier. Because mm-hmm. people in Europe and Iran are complaining that when we do it at 8 p.m. our time here in Toronto, it's really late for them. So I think maybe if we do it a few hours earlier, you know. Uh, earlier for Tehran, I think it wouldn't be a good idea. Because no, no, if we do it like 4 p.m., then uh, it's midnight yeah, four, there, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I'm PM saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll figure that out uh, off air. But um, thank you to all of those who attended our, our Clubhouse and find us and join us all on Clubhouse if you can. Um, if you like what we're doing on this program, uh, there's a way to support. We crowdfund through this show through uh, patrons, 10 bucks or $5 a month. Just go to our website, rookmedia.com, rookmedia.com. And uh, there you'll see a support us button. You'll also see everything else you need on our website that's the one stop for everything rook you need rookmedia.com but if you do want to support us um, with a a monthly amount it really helps us and we really appreciate it and uh, I know uh, also based on Bahador and uh, Kimia last week we have a lot of letters right my goodness, we have a lot of letters. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness, we have a lot of letters. <laughs> oh, quite the letters oh, we have. my goodness. <laughs> well, fantastic. Day. We'll get to all of that with our letters of the week with Keon and uh, Captain Reza and Groovy Shia. Let us get to our feature guest. Here we go. My feature guest today is an Iranian-American political satirist, an actor, a TV and radio host, a monologist, and a human rights advocate. For many of you, he will need little introduction. Take a listen to this. Salam man Kamiz Hosseini hastam va in politik ast millat. Salam az mikonam, salam az mikonam man in paradox 19 ham. Salam man Kamiz Hosseini hastam in 49 ham in parazit barnameyi ke baraye shomast. Shoma ke hosle akhbar ro nadarid va hame khabar ro baraye shoma khabar bade. 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 <laughs> the unmistakable sounds of one of the best and most prolific radio podcast and TV hosts in the Iranian diaspora in the last decade, a uh, decade wow. and a half, I suppose. Kambiz Hosseini, my feature guest today. He is smart. 
He's funny, he's incisive, and he's both the voice of reason and balance or the beacon of controversy, depending on whom you ask. Combees was born in Rasht. He moved to the United States in the year 2000 at the age of 25. He studied dramatic literature and acting both in Iran and in the U.S. So in 2009, Combees co-created the critically acclaimed political satire show Parazit, which means static in Persian in reference to the Iranian government jamming the lines of satellite television. He hosted that on Voice of America. The show ran from 2009 to 2012 and had over 1 million fans on Facebook and led to the Washington Post calling Combees the John Stewart of Iran for his wow. satire and influence. Combees himself appeared with John Stewart on The Daily Show in 2011. Combees was given the bronze medal at the 2012 New York Festival's Best Television and Film Awards for Parazit in the comedy satire category. He was also awarded Voice of America's Gold Medal, the agency's highest honor for Parazit. In 2013, Combees launched a new weekly podcast called Five in the Afternoon, for which he received the Reporters Without Borders Award. He also became the host of the New York-based satirical news show Politique, which aired on Radio Fardo. His current radio program and podcast, Paradox, airs on Radio Fardo, the Iranian branch of Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty. Kambis Husseini has been featured on CNN, Fox, PBS, NPR, PRI, CBC, and many other media outlets around the world. But right now, Kambis Husseini joins me from New York today. Hello, sir. It's March 2023, 2001. <laughs> this is Rock. <laughs> What's up, man? It's a terrible impression of me. It's a terrible. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at impressions. What an honor. Garnakubi shishe kamro besang haftrangesh mishavad haftodrang. Ya garbekubi. It's, oh. uh, it's like you, you actually uh, throw the bottle at the stone so it just splashes and it breaks down <laughs> and it becomes and it becomes that thing. How you doing, man? How I'm, you doing? Listen, How are you holding up? I, I'm okay. I'm good. This has been a long yeah. time coming. I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, all the way back to you know 11 years ago, hearing that there was this Persian guy in New York being called the Iranian John Stewart. Uh, yeah. I've, we've met, obviously, in person, but we've never had a chance to interview. Sure. It's so nice to have you. Yeah. You're so, so nice you're to so, talk to you, man. You're so good at what you do you are so You're good, so at, good at what you do this is <laughs> hey let me let me tell you before you start like drilling me in uh, your like uh interview skill let me okay. tell you something i uh i i got into media without knowing because i was an actor i was like a theater guy i wasn't never a media person so uh when i got this interview thing included in my uh, proposed show at the time i was looking for a reference and how do i interview people and how and then i came across you um i think you had at the time you had this show called q or something q it was yeah. q right or yeah. or th there was a play or q there was play uh, was the tv show yeah. then q yeah no q so and then the opening essays and the writings <laughs> and and the, the taste in music and rhythm and the tempo and the interview skill you had man and and the, you were like the way you were dancing across the red lines uh, with the cbc with all these guidelines and everything and on, on top of that, the uh, Billy Bob uh, handling, <laughs> the Billy Bob handling interview. I think, you know what? I think everybody 
whoever wants to interview anybody in media, they should. I think they should teach that Billy Bob interview in universities. I think they actually the, did no, for a while. They, they taught yeah, that. Yeah. The, the, yeah. I mean, the way you handled the guy and uh, you were giving contacts, uh, <sighs> uh, and then 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 the, 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 I think the um, the question: Do you want to continue? If you want to talk about music, I mean, the way you uh, handled that, I think it was. Um, I learned a lot from that. Thank so you. I want to appreciate you uh, because um, no matter what people say, I, uh, I, I do learn a lot from you. I did uh-huh. in my life. And, and I think no, no matter what pi- people say. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what people say. And, uh-huh. I, and, I, and I, you know, it, it, was, it was interesting for me to, uh-huh. uh, to see a guy uh, uh, who's pushing people's bottom without insulting them. You were offending people. Yes. But not insulting them. Yes. You know? But I feel the same thing about you. I, I mean, first of all, thank you for let's, all that. Let's do the ta- let's do the tar first, That's so we can the, get the, away. Well, it's not tar- <laughs> Is it tar off? If it was tar off, I'll, I'll, I mean, no, no, no. This I, is no. This is like I really mean what I said, man. Well, I really you, mean it. Listen, I I agree. No matter no matter what people say about you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming right at me, huh? You couldn't wait for two minutes. <laughs> Regardless of what everyone says about you, I still feel... No, listen, I mean, first of all, it, it, it occurs to me that for most Iranians listening, I mean, that whole intro I just did is redundant because, of course, they know who Kambi Soseni is. And yet for non-Iranians listening or those who grew up entirely in the West and only consume English media, I mean, yeah. they would have no idea who you are. Is that an interesting paradox if you'll forgive me for using that word for you given that you've been in the west for 20 years but your audience isn't necessarily western it's weird because look um uh, people like me or you or people in media they need feedback like constant like live feedback from from what they do because as soon as um we release an episode the episode dies right there i mean whatever you give your best and and do whatever you want to do and it dies and then all you need is is live feedback and i don't get that here in New York, I'm just right, like right. Sit, probably I could even sit in Mars and do this. You know, <laughs> it, this is this is how lonely uh, <laughs> my show is. That I'm uh, I'm sitting somewhere and now I have I'm hanging out with different people and I have uh, probably uh, my everyday life is way different than everyday life in Iran. But uh, somehow my audience are in Iran, which is like uh, thousands of thousands of kilometers or miles away. So, but hundreds uh, of thousands, I mean, millions in terms of the audience. It's interesting. Is it a way of, I mean, the, you know, the obvious thing to say would be, is it a way of keeping you real? Like you do this, you do your show, a million people listen to it, and then you walk outside in Brooklyn and nobody knows who you are. Is that, yeah. is that, is that somehow healthy for you? No, it's unhealthy for me. It's, um, <laughs> it's very unhealthy. You, you want to be carried on the shoulders of the of the crowd outside your door. That's that's what the media is all about. You know, it's it's that you you project you 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 uh, you become naked uh, in front of your audience, 
and uh, you let them judge uh, the size of their penis. So you want to know that uh, what people think. And uh, it's not like high art when you, you go do something and then uh, you hide away and then you look for, for reviews or, or you just um, uh, 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 put your voice out for the elites uh, out there. Um, I'm trying to talk to the majority of people in Iran um, people who uh, are not as informed as I uh, want them to be. Um, so, and I don't have no connection with them. It's it's really hard to, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm relying on ro- social media a lot to find out. But you know how social media is. It's yes. not you can't rely on it. So so it's it's really it's really difficult. You let me. Th- uh, you've said quite a bit there. Let me pick up on uh, those things. <laughs> a do few it. Of the, a few of the things you do said. it. So do so, it, Jian Khomeishi. <laughs> do it. <laughs> have you ever written a Jian? By the way, that was my question. Do you know what Jian? It is, it, is, it is not lost on me that I'm named after a shit per, uh, French car. <laughs> it's not yeah. shit. It's actually cool. It's very actually cool right now. If you, is it? If you have is a, it making a comeback, no, the Jian car? I just know it was, hey man, I mean, it was considered you, a lemon. You, no. <laughs> but if you have a Jian in Canada right now, well, uh, I think you can sell it for more than $50,000 or something. I've never even seen one in person. I've only seen pictures have, of them. No, I really, so my, yeah. my, my dad owned one. And he taught me how to drive with that shit. Uh. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so wait a second. I, I I'm responsible for your career and your driving so far. All right. I mean, yeah, this is I, I'm enjoying this. Why no, are no, you responsible? No, you're responsible for the interview skill that uh, I learned. Okay. You know, it's well. It's I'll take like, that. I'll take that. I yeah, yeah. You are a great interviewer. I enjoy watching you. Let me ask you this though. Why are? For, for, I want to deconstruct what you just said, and we'll get to the penis and all the things you said there. Why? <laughs> why are you? First of all, why are you in this media game? What what do you what do you love about interviewing people and making this programming? I, the reason I ask is, having been in it and having been uh, through the ups and downs of it, it, it 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 can feel like I mean you are putting yourself out there one way or another. Um, and you have been indefatigable. I mean, you keep going. The show ends and you start a new show and you keep going and you keep going. You're the Energizer Bunny. But it, it, it can, especially in media, especially when you're scrutinized, especially when you got to keep putting out new content, it can feel like knocking your head against the wall. So what is it that you love so much about doing this that makes you keep doing it? Look, I, um, uh, I was, I'm not a media, I'm, even though I saw really early media, but I was never like a media guy. I always thought that TV and radio are cheap and I have to go after theater and cinema and, and, and the art that I, that I can express myself fully. Um, uh, but at one point in my life, I got tired of um, um, counting my beers that I drink in a bar. <laughs> Uh, and and I you know I didn't have any money I was I was like a theater guy in in Portland Oregon and uh, it was like uh, right after um, Bush war against Iraq uh-huh. uh, and so there were like so many uh, playwrights that were writing uh, Middle Eastern uh, parts you know oh I, so I, I, was, I, I, was, I missed this part where you were in Oregon that's yeah, interesting yeah I was, uh, yeah, no, I studied theater in Oregon four okay. years you know it's like uh, and then um, and then I was I became this um, hipster, poor artist uh, who um, has to count his cigarettes, uh, his his drinks at bar. So I got just fucking tired of this man. So I started like looking for how I can make more money, 
um, doing what I do, and then I sold my soul to Persian media. Oh wow! What a what a yeah. what a rook way of putting this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no, no, no. But that, the other thing was, look, um, when you when you do theater, you only have like six hundred people coming in your premiere every time. Yes. Three hundred people out of that six hundred people, look at you. They're all like above like seventy year olds, by mm-hmm. the way. So they're not like young people, uh, like elite audience. Three hundred of them, they say, "Oh, you're great." The other three, three hundred, they say, "Oh, you suck." And the, the another premiere, the the, uh, the these people switch. You know, and I just got sick and tired of catering my message or my art my, to only 600 old people. So I'm like, how can I uh, reach more mm-hmm. to more uh, more people that they actually need to get informed? And to uh, to answer your question, I do what I do for myself when I was 15, 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. a teenager looking in Iran and, and, and sitting in my small room full of books. And I was like a theater guy, right? I was like a, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a poet at the time. So I, I just like lo- look around to get them for more information. So I'm just catering for myself. Mm. Uh, the guy, the fifteen-year-old guy, who's but I, let like, me, thirsty let, for information. Let me nejat you a little bit here because nejat uh, me, nejat <laughs> me, <laughs> nejat me, Jean. because because I, I because one wouldn't want to think that you only do this for you because I think that you are. Um, someone passionate about society, passionate about trying sure. to make a difference. But so I was part of that society. You know, I was part of the fucked up society that I was living in. You know, so I'm I'm the example of a generation that uh, they just didn't have. Uh, everything is blocked mm. in Iran. Everything is blocked. You know, Twitter is blocked. Facebook is blocked. Uh, everything is blocked. So at the time, we didn't have this. That the, the internet wasn't as huge as today. But still, everything was. Blocked. Blocked, and when when they um, uh, take away um, uh, information from you, you actually get more thirsty to uh, to learn more, right. to see more. You know, you know. It's, I mean, the thing about you is you, and you just said you uh, you put yourself out there naked, and you, uh, you know, um, I understand what you're saying. At the same time, especially when you're doing interviews. It isn't supposed to be about you, right? It's supposed to be about sure. the guests. So, so yeah, but the, yeah. the, but the interesting. This is kind of the again the paradox of Kambisoseni in the sense that you don't hide behind a postulate of, of objectivity all the time. You're not like a, a BBC no, news no. a newsman. You know, no, you, no, no, you, you have opinions. Sides. You do monologues. Sure. You say what's on your yeah, mind. Yeah. That said, yeah. or in you that have, you in, have opinions too, man. You have well, opinions too. I, I mean, do, I do, but I see. I'm pretty committed when I have somebody on the show to yeah. trying to make it about them. In between, when I'm talking to the team or doing my own thing or if I'm doing a, a monologue off the top, yes. But sure. but so it, you, it's walking that line and that's why I want to ask you. I mean, how, how much of what you do or want to do is about being able to express yourself and how much of it is about extracting opinions and information from others? There are two parallel lines in what you're asking, but this parallel line meets somewhere in, in, in the future. Okay. You know what I mean? In an indefinite like future, um, uh, they meet somewhere. So I, I've tried to find um, uh, a common, uh, let's say, values or or common uh, uh, like shared values between these two. So I project that more. Uh, but 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 if you're if you're if you're talking about my shows and what I do, to be honest, I I try so hard to be myself. 
but I work in in a certain media outlet that I have to um, obey the guidelines, and I always like. Um, dance on the red lines that uh, <laughs> yes. you know everybody everybody does that and yes. and and uh, you know no no, time, no 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 Every, <laughs> everybody doesn't do that this yeah. is what sets you apart everybody doesn't do that in fact everybody that I admire they do that uh-huh. Let's put it okay this way. Yeah, right yeah. right because I, I I mean one of the things that I would uh, um, one doesn't want to make generalizations or be too dismissive, but one of the things that I lament about the new spate of what I see in terms of Iranian yeah. media is that there is that there's too many people trying to ape some kind of um, old school, you know, British or or American, uh, you know, veneer of, uh, of 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 vanilla of of, of you yeah. know. It, sure. In other words, it, it it either has to be this crazy Fox News or sure. or, or you know um, outlandish you know uh, monologue kind of stuff, or that that it has to be this very boring button down i'm wearing yeah. a suit and i'm speaking in but yeah tones. hey I, and, I, and uh, there's got to yeah. be some middle ground i think yeah but uh, there is no middle ground it's just you have to pay price to do something new and uh, for that you get fired you <laughs> you lose <laughs> your shit you know uh, it's it's not it's not easy to just go to a mainstream media and uh, and and bring your honest uh, creativity and opinion, and try to enforce that, and try to make a, 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 a like a media product out of that, and, and and put it out. It's not easy to do that, and you pay a price for that. And like mm-hmm. I did, and mm-hmm. like uh, you know. Um, but one thing people don't. One thing I wanna I wanna tell you. One one thing I learned from you is mm-hmm. that you were always um, uh, orchestrated. Yes. Uh, you you were not you were uh, you were always like wrote down your shit, and then you delivered it. You know, it's this the, this 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 pre production thing that you've done. In your well, shows. I, I wouldn't say uh, orchestrated as much as I do. I still do. It's it's important to me to do fastidious research, to do as much as I possibly can, and yeah. then I try and throw it away during the interview. But I but that's only me. I'm not saying that to to win a, a medal. I mean, I, there are interviewers that I think are good. Who follow the I, the notion of, uh, of 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 you know turn on the mic and let's see where the conversation goes sure. and and I'm not gonna I don't have a, a plan I don't have an arc I don't have a but I yeah. I, I have a very clear idea going into a conversation or I like that's to, great of but where look, it's no, gonna no, go you have one thing you have you have one important thing and that you have um, uh, basically uh, uh, when you start talking I want to know what's next <laughs> you know it's like uh, there's, there's like a uh, there's like a Hitchcock movie going on there <laughs> When you're like, wow. it's, this is Jean Romeshi, and I'm, it's, you know, this is Rock, or you were saying, oh, it's like whatever. It, it, your your voice actually in the beginning of your show give me, gives me a lot of stress, man. Stress? Like, oh, yeah, a lot oh, of I'm like, what okay. the fuck? There is something going on, and I have to pay attention. <laughs> oh, my God, what's happening? It's just like my heart starts beating. What the fuck am I going to do? I don't know what to do. You, you know make what I mean? me sound it's like just... Sir Alec Guinness or something. <laughs> uh, I am coming, <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no. It's just no. It's it's sort of you. You have that, and I think um, uh, what uh, what's important about your uh, your rhythm is that you um, you you came from the music background. Yeah. So you know, so you know the difference uh, between tempo and rhythm. I love and, you. And, do you know yeah. what? <laughs> Did, do you know what? Let me tell you something. I have only ever said this. I think maybe twice. In my in maybe twenty years, I've only uh, I'm going to out it to you. 
I, you know, I'm a, a, my background is a drummer, and and I, yeah. uh, when I start an interview, I listen to the the person talking, and I count out the rhythm of the way they're talking, and I try and match the rhythm to to bring them in to make the to to, to bring comfort to the conversation. So we're dancing together. I literally it's obvious. Do it's obvious. Well, for me, that really, I'm a music really, lover. you yeah. could actually for that, me. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a failed musician, so it's obvious for me. You know, right, yeah. I can I can I can I can count the rhythm, but it's obvious for me that the um, uh, this guy um, gets the rhythm and he tries to whenever the uh, the rhythm drops, you bring in something to pick it up. I don't know how interesting this um, conversation is, is to anyone. Yes, but I'm you know. enjoying it. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. But, but let me, <laughs> but let me ask you this: Do you, do you, when I watch you and I listen to you, I mean, you are one of the masters of. Uh, you're very spontaneous. Um, you're quick with a rebuttal. You're you're funny. Uh, how much research do you do? I mean, how a lot. How, Okay, lot, so you so that's yeah. that's I mean you are half winging it, but you're yeah. also orchestrated. You know what I do? I I write the whole show, and then I rehearse it, and then when I rehearse it, I add some spontaneous sp- uh, stuff, yes. and maybe some uh, you know uh, some topok and uh, and those things. But I write those things back to the script, yes, and then I start acting. The, the spontaneous ones, you know what I mean. You know, I'm so, so I'm so, so glad. I'm so, so all I'm well, I'm I'm, so, I'm very well scripted. That's what I'm saying. I'm so glad you said that because I secretly do believe that the only way to be really good is to is to script is to is to you know um, yeah. get get yourself prepared as much as possible. And so yeah. to know that you do do that, it makes sense sure. to me because you're so good at what you do. Part of your brilliance, combis, is has been we've and, and by the way, I mean for people listening, this this won't just be a. Um, uh, I, I won't just turn this into a, a complimenting each other fest because I, I I do want to hear. Yeah, some of your why story, not? But, Let's do it. Let's but, do but, it. What's what's the problem with complimenting each other? What's the problem? What is the? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what, you know what they call this in the old school media? And my apologies to everyone for the vernacular here. We'll probably edit this out, but you know what they call this? Um, what we used to call this a blowjob interview when you when you're. <laughs> <laughs> And you're just, I love you're that. just, uh, you Don't know, you're, pleasure, you're, pleasuring other. you're pleasuring each other. You're pleasuring each other. Part of but your- look, no, no, look, dude. Here's the thing. I wanted to tell you this thing for, for, for because because I, I, I think I met you a couple of times, yeah. but we didn't get to talk about like deep into this yeah. things because yeah. we were in a, in a, an occasion Crowd, or situation yeah, that yeah, yeah. it was crowded and we couldn't talk so much. So this is actually the first time I'm getting to talk to you like person to person. That's why I'm saying this. There is no blowjob, which which. <laughs> well, by the way, I have no problem with blowjobs. So that's just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! We've got it on. We've got it on the record. Uh, yeah, this you got is, on record. You know what? What I was gonna say is part of your. Um, and, and by the way, we've had the chance. Like we've traded messages for about uh, I don't know nine months, a year, or something and, uh, about doing this. And I, I kind of part of me wanted the first real big conversation to be with with record pressed on you know because i just thought it would be it'd be more fun than that so so i'm enjoying this part you know part of your brilliance is is weaving in comedy and you've suggested that wasn't always the intent like you did this public talk a couple of years ago where you said i wasn't a comedian they forced me to be one what do you mean by that uh let me let me light up a cigarette so i can talk about that that's uh that requires a cigarette yeah that requires Uh, a cigarette here's the here's the thing 
I um, was a kid and um, I would basically sometimes in parties and like your family parties and stuff, I would say something that I thought it was true, but half of people will laugh and the other half of people will get angry. Um, so I've never, and then just because of the laugh I got, I thought, oh, okay, this is funny. But I always made people angry uh, with whatever I, I thought that is funny that I'm going to say, you know. Um, I never thought, I'm, I'm a very tragic person, actually. I'm a very sensitive guy. I'm sensitive towards what's going on. I think happy people are stupid. <laughs> and no, seriously, with all the shit is going on right, around you in right. the world, how could you be fucking happy? There is no story in happy people's uh, life. You know, <sighs> you know, it's just uh, the the story about how people like like people. Uh, 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 I don't know. Uh, a and B are happy. End of the story. You know, there is no story in there. But if you are sensitive towards um, your society. Uh, towards your society with sensitivities, you know, you you have to be a little bit like you have to have a melancholy a little bit in your in your work. You can't mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. be like shiny happy because there's lots of shit going on in the world right now, uh, and and then we can't do that. And uh, but at, at some point in my life, I I said those things that I thought I thought it was they were tragic. People should cry, and then some people were like uh, started laughing at it because. The, the the greatest uh, comedy came from tragedy. Right. You know when the, when you surpass this uh, this uh, this thing that that, that one, when 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 one like particular subject is so much tragic, and it's so much it, it becomes absurd, and absurdity is funny. You know that's how I became a funny guy. I don't know mm. how, but I never wanted to. Uh, I'm very angry and I'm very serious about what I say. But if you laugh, good. But first of all, it's a great. Obviously, it's a great device, right? You can you can ask probing questions or push your guests in a way that a straight interviewer cannot. I I always remember. I always think of this. I remember John Stewart in a, a, interviewing Parviz Musharraf, the um, president of Pakistan or prime minister of Pakistan, whatever he was at the time, and asking him questions that no. Sort of, you know, uh, network anchor would ever be able to ask Parviz Musharraf. You know, uh, uh, like I, I don't know. But I can't he remember. wasn't a network anchor, though. That's the thing. No, it was because he could do it as a comedian. No, you, you, so you did he the could, same thing too, and you weren't a comedian. That's correct. Her, that and is you correct. You weren't even a journalist. But I'm. A, but I. But well, that's also part of. I agree with you. That I'm saying it's a device. You, if you're a bit of a personality, you can say, "Well, I'm not really an official." You know, I'm just sort of in fact when my show on cbc got so big that it was so important and everything it made it more difficult for me to do interviews because the expectation was that it was an important interview sure. and so and then i have to i have to stay within the lines everybody. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah exactly you know yeah. and you interview everybody but the thing is man here's the thing um uh, the way that um um I'm, I'm i'm continuing with the below job situation oh boy the way uh, that you um uh, conducted those interviews and not getting emotional when people pushed your buttons. You know, lots of people in your interviews that watch many of your interviews, they 
pushed your buttons, mm-hmm. but you came back and instead of getting him, because the human instinct is, uh, you know, I've done it in my interviews and people push my button and I came back and say, who the fuck are you talking to me like that? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But yes. you never yes. done that. That's you know? not you helpful. Just, you just, you, know, yeah, no, y- helpful, you yeah. know why? It's because it, it's the edict is the audience is smart. Trust the audience. The audience will ultimately know what's going on in a good interview. Uh, but you know, people, people can put you on uh, top of the world and they can destroy you. Oh, well, that's true, time. too. So that's true, too. Just, I just mean in terms of the actual broadcast. They, yeah, yeah. You know, people can, you, you don't have to spell it out for them. If somebody's being, uh, you know, uh, um, unhelpful during an interview, the audience can yeah. hear that. Uh, if Siavashiko Meshi is not playing along with you, my, my dad's cousin uh, <laughs> uh, in an is interview. That cousin, he is. Yeah. Oh, you're you. Oh, you related to to Romeshi. Yes. Can we finish this interview now? <laughs> <laughs> you you didn't enjoy your interview with him, huh? <laughs> I uh, I mean I didn't, but at the same time, um, I don't know, man. I don't want to talk about it. It's just it brings more controversy to something. I, it's very it doesn't old. matter. But it doesn't but, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, what what the, the question? But that he's, comes he's up, a brilliant songwriter, though. He's well, a brilliant of course. songwriter. The question yeah, that comes yeah. up for me, and and notoriously not an easy interview. You weren't alone, and I've never interviewed him. And part of the reason has been because he's been like, no, I don't. Let's not do it. You know, like. Uh, but it raises an interesting question, which is um, because I on the scene of Aliolo show, you said. Uh, I said, well, did you tell him he's being difficult? And you said, no, I don't really like him. I don't know if you were being funny. <laughs> but if you weren't being, it doesn't matter. But but I'm curious about that because where you where you see the line between giving someone a platform and not, if you're not a fan, if you don't really like, I, I always find it difficult, especially when it comes to well-known people that are going to yeah. be good for your show, that there's an audience that wants to, you know, sure. they want to hear from them. And you're kind of thinking, you know, any anytime I put some on the show I'm taking the uh, the place away from somebody else that I could put on and sure. so do I put them on even if I don't like them because it's good for the show or do I just not even bother where, where are you on that no it's uh, I mean you you actually did great on, on interviewing people you didn't like um, I uh, when I started interviewing people I wasn't as mature as today I don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm very mature right now but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I was very young and um, I was uh, I was learning as uh, time was going episode by episode I was learning from myself and from uh, the reaction I was getting from my guests so that was one of those like educational process for me that um, you, yes you interview people you don't like and uh, well, but, some, but, actually, but you don't have to but, you don't but, have to I, I actually like most people I, I, I almost I like almost everybody I, I find things to like about them and uh, because you how's, kind how's, of how's, how's, how's Iranian people to Treating you as young, <laughs> you like everybody. I love huh? them. I love. Them. No, we'll get into that. We'll get. Into, I'm talking about. I, I can find things that I. Li- you know, the only I'll tell you my story of who was who, my version of the Sea of Achshar You have many was, stories. I my have friend. many stories, many but it's, stories. it's not. It's not Billy Bob. But yeah, I actually, okay. you know, and and uh, because that that the, you know that interview that you referenced uh, was actually became so controversial that it, it we it, the show became number one. I mean, it, it was actually very helpful. No, it's actually educational. But very early in my career, very early, like this is like 2003, I had just started. 
and um, I had a TV. I, it was a junket. You know what? You, you know, for people who don't sure, know what yeah, junkets yeah. are out there, yeah, yeah. junkets are when there's a you go. You know, there's a, a movie coming out, and a bunch of the actors or the cast of the movie sure. are set up yeah. in a hotel, and then there's a, 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 a an assembly line of interviewers that go in. You know, uh, TV or you know media people, and everybody gets five minutes with these actors who are generally exhausted and un- uninterested and answering the same questions over and over again. And it was my first year doing that. And I had Harrison Ford. And I went in. Oh, oh, I remember that. That that guy was a dick to you, man. He was you, a fucking dick you to you. You do remember, remember this? that. Because yeah. it was it was a disaster. And the, yeah. the, the thing, the only difference between then and now would be that I now have the confidence to know when someone's not playing along to to either know that it's not about me or to call them on it. Go, look, do you not want to be doing this interview? You know, yeah. I went in and I and I had prepared this opening question, you know, and he barely looked up at me at the time. I had this little like my new wave haircut and I was, you know, I thought I was really important. You know, Trying to look good, <laughs> look good for Harrison Ford. And, you know, I said uh, something like, it, it, he had put out this um, film called uh, K-19, The Widowmaker. It's about a submarine where he plays a Russian captain. And I said something like, uh, I had rehearsed this first question where I said, you know, you are known for playing these iconic Americans like um, uh, Indiana Jones and, and yeah. Han Solo and, and, you know, the Jack Clancy films and, you know, and, and, and Jack Ryan or whatever. And now you're playing a Russian captain. That must be so interesting for you. Uh, tell me uh, what that's like. And he barely looked up. His hand was like, cu- you know, cupping his, his cheek. And he just kind of barely looked at me and he said, and rolled his eyes and said, well, it's acting isn't it you know and i died like i thought oh my yeah, god yeah. the interview is tanking harrison ford hates me i'm a terrible interviewer you know sure. and 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 then i so i left and it was just a disaster and you know and then like a week later i saw him on conan o'brien or something and he was just as bad right like he, he's just not <laughs> and, and and i said to somebody something but you know, he was me, indiana jones and he was harrison ford and, <laughs> that's you know? right yeah well but that's part me, of the yeah. intimidation i thought well this guy yeah. what does he care about me he's done you know he's been interviewed a billion times you know so um that was forever i learned my lesson with harrison ford i was just like you know what no well, one's gonna treat you, me like that again sure. but let me tell you a, a little um memory I have with Harrison Ford when I was living in LA like early 2000 uh, you know I started working this Starbucks in um, um, I think it was in Bel Air and uh, Harrison Ford was my first customer every day 5 a.m. really and he would yeah and he would come and buy like one um, tall um, just drip drip uh, coffee and give me 20 bucks <laughs> yeah you know uh, oh really you had so, a good experience then, with Harrison yeah Ford. then he would he would come with his pajamas uh, you know it was like come on it's like a normal guy and always a smile always a smile at me and he's like I like terrorists and stuff like that so <laughs> you know he would he would give me that look you know I'm, I'm okay with me you distance, see you know? if we had only known each other back then <laughs> I, I would have orchestrated you spilling the coffee on him or something. You know? <laughs> I never wanted to because the guy was always like quiet and he was like, "Hey man, can I get the can I get the usual?" I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. Man, you know what? You know? To, to 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 in 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 defense of Harrison Ford, 
he was in a long I mean this is something from seven, you know 18 years ago that that <laughs> happened I, I'm judging this guy for the last 18 years based on 30 seconds with him which is yeah. entirely unfair but but it was definitely my you know it's up there with the worst interview experiences there's something you said that I can't let go before right. I I want to I, I want to get into you as a child in your do childhood it, Jian, Shira Jian. do you this, know what Shira Jian I is I do I do yeah. you're referencing so you, the you, car you and the courage <laughs> and everything yeah uh, you're you've definitely done your homework <laughs> if um you you said you're a tragic person yes um okay first of all did you mean that you see the world in tragic ways or you see your own life as tragic both wow i mean how do you see your life as tragic it's that i've been in love 18 times and never made it happen um uh feeling loved is something i uh, you know you have a lot of fans and people but you never uh you know sometimes you need to get approval from the person i mean pe- uh, you know this 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 thing that everybody gives you approval but there's one person that mm-hmm. you need to get approval from yeah. and he or she doesn't give you the approval and uh, that means you did nothing in your life, you know. So um, that part of my life is, yeah, it's always been tragic. I've never got approval for from for what I do from people I love. Really? Too heavy for you? <laughs> no, no, no. Fast. I mean, thank you for being so yeah, yeah. so honest. But I mean. Yeah. First of all, did you count eighteen times, or were you saying that sort of metaphorically? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was in a relationship eighteen times in my life, and whenever I, 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 fought, I fell in love, I'm like, hey, let's, uh, uh, let's have a baby, uh, and and they said, with you, no way. What do you think goes wrong every time? I, maybe I need a lot of me time. Maybe I'm too much, too much of a narcissistic motherfucker. I don't know, man. Maybe I don't. Uh, maybe I want love, but I don't like maintain love. You know, the maintenance is 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 is, is a very important part of the whole situation. Maybe I don't do that. Maybe maybe I'm just an immature motherfucker. I don't know, man. Well, maybe can I can I make a suggestion? Is, sure. It's hard to be with someone who says they don't think people should be happy. The true, no. I I I think true. I think people should be happy, but if you're just happy for no reason, that means you're not sensitive towards your society's sensitivities. Uh, that means you don't know shit. That means you're a dumb dumbass. That's that's what I think. But you know, people who are, um, I mean, you weren't in the West. In the we're Gen Xers, and in the '90s, uh, if you were a Gen Xer like me, we you know it, how, the, how the, old are you? What what year you're born? I'm I'm, I'm like, 1982. <laughs> 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 Very nicely done, sir. <laughs> I, I'm, I was born in 1975, so we're you're I'm I'm older than you. I thought you were. I thought we were around the same age. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm seven years older than you. But wow. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 in my in the 1990s, yeah. 
We there was something you know there was it was a very dark period for of youth culture. It's like if you see the movies like um, Singles and Reality Bites and things like that. It was it was um, you know especially in the music scene there was this grunge death metal kind of scene and stuff, and there was there was a lot of um, attraction to the romance of self abuse. You know, the Soundgarden, Nine Inch Nails, all these kind of bands that I was uh, on the periphery of, that I would, uh, who saw some value in, um, in being down in the dumps and being, and you know, kind of, um, you know, either drinking yourself into oblivion or, or doing drugs or. But just you know, you know seeing what's funny? through a dark portal. Yeah, you know what's funny. And that's funny? a really dangerous place to go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's funny that I was born in Iran and I grew up in nineties in Iran, but I have the same same idols as you do like nirvana was uh, was the king you know and all these guys they were self-deconstructive people they did drugs to the death and they um basically um uh, this like new hipster hopeful um, uh, latte every morning kind of <laughs> lifestyle that we're, we're proposing to the to the society right now never existed back then so uh, all my idols committed suicide man yes yes so, I, I, f- I forever have know? wanted to write a book because no one else has about how uh, all of these people from the 1990s again a lot of Iranians might not know these names but starting with uh, Kurt Cobain but then but then Chris Cornell of Soundgarden the guy from Allison Chains you know Scott Whelan from from uh, Stone Temple Pilots, like all of them, all of them are dead. You know, and you add in Prince, and you add in a few other artists. You know, uh, it's crazy, right? Bowie. Can I tell you something which is funny? It, it not not only happened to me, but uh, to many people around uh, around me, that when we passed twenty seven, and we didn't die, everybody told us, "Oh, so you're not as great." You're not genius, so you don't belong in 27 right, clubs. Right. So my 28th birthday was a funeral because everybody thought I'm not genius. Right. <laughs> right. You know? The 27 club being Hendrix and Kurt Cobain. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. All, all the people who yeah. self-deconstructed, you know. But people. but but I, where I was going with that was actually to say that I I the the romance of self abuse is not something that I subscribe to. I don't think people should should. Um, I, I I know what you're saying about how horrible the world is, but I don't think the panacea for that, the tonic for that, is for us to be moping around and and. You know, I agree. Su- su- I totally you know, agree with you. It's listen. You know, I've been through shit in my life. I know you've been through yeah. shit in your life. You you have two options: succumb or surmount. And sure. if you're going to surmount, you cannot be down in the dumps twenty four seven. It's not going to yeah. serve you. It's not going to serve you with others too. You know, in relationships. No, I agree. Or I I totally agree with you and all you say, but. Uh, and regarding uh, growing, uh, uh, going through shit in your life, it's, it's only that it's, it, there is no other way, man. Every, everybody who is w- putting their voice out and they're getting shit, there is no way that you cannot put your voice out and not get shit. But at the same time, you know, in the beginning of my career, I was, I was very a little bit um, not um, appreciative to people that they make me look good, you know? I mean, now 
uh, I'm, I'm a different guy. Now everybody who works uh, with me in my show, I know they're trying so hard to make me look good. So I'm, I'm, I'm more appreciated towards yeah, them. Yeah. But, but in the beginning, I was like, I'm bringing the shit, so you have to follow. Yeah. You know? So I was a little bit, uh, um, uh, you know, not very nice. I hear but, you. I've, yeah, I've learned but, those but, lessons as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but now, I mean, as I'm uh, growing older, I mean, I learned that people who make you look good, they deserve appreciation. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I want to come back to the, what, what yeah, dealing with detractors and things like that. Let me, yeah. I, I, I'm curious a little bit about your, your um, not a little bit, I'm curious about uh, your story as how you ended up being this guy who uh, lives in Brooklyn and, and, and broadcasts to millions of people uh, who, uh, who are, you have a huge fan base. It's, it's, a, it's such an interesting story of how you became this guy. You were, what was little Kambis Hosseini, a little kid in Rasht in the north of Iran in yeah. the late, late 70s and early 80s? How would you describe that kid? I was at, uh, I was a radio host when I was ten year old. I was um, I was hosting this very popular children's show called the Islamic uh, Blossom Revolution or whatever. <laughs> yes, and I think my, it was called the Islamic job, Revolution Blossom. Revolution Blossom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then my job was to brainwash uh, kids that they were their their dads were in, in the war, and, and my job was if your dad is not coming back. Don't don't worry. I mean, if he's dead, don't worry. You should go. He's in heaven, and you should go to heaven too. Uh, so, and then I was uh, very like famous when I was a kid. So the whole celebrity status thingy. Uh, wait, just, wait a second. Uh, Somebody would. What? Uh, I don't understand. You're a ten year old kid yeah. who has to go on and say it's okay to go to war and you're going to go to heaven. I mean, basically, that we know that part, that that tragically young people were sent to the front lines of the Iran-Iraq yeah. war. But were you given, how did you get selected to be this guy? I just, it's just like it was a talent show. Uh, they came to my school and uh, and they came to my class and they asked, uh, uh, there was, uh, was uh, I don't I remember, uh, that it was like a, a class of Inshaw. That was the only the only class I was good at. If, if it was like a, a math class, I wouldn't be picked. Uh, it was Inshaw when you like a speech class, you know, you write uh -huh. essays and, and you read your essays in front of everybody else. And in that class, my, my teacher, when they came to class and they said, hey, uh, uh, introduce us like one person, and he uh, gave them me. And he said, he's my best guy. So I went over there and I start like, uh, they gave me a script and I read it and they picked me in the school and they picked me in the region and it was like a whole process. Oh, what did your parents and think of this? Like, were they okay with it? They got the money. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, so you were getting paid. You were getting, yeah, of and you would you they would give you a script, and you would have to yeah. read the script. And, and yeah. it's, it's, it's so, it's yeah. it, 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 you know I'm this is I, I wasn't there right. This reminds yeah. me of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia and the kids having yeah. to. I mean, this is really scary stuff. Yeah, huh. and and I got and I got basically out of that because we have so many um, artists because uh, it's, it's, it's a sketch show you know uh, and there were so many artists like women that uh, I would meet them in green room and they basically told me that hey man you, you got a little bit of talent you should you should go for theater because that's the roots of all this performance so you gotta say so I got in, because of their suggestion because their advice I got into theater and I did more than probably 300 plays in my life so far so I did a lot of I, I come from a deep theater uh, background yes. and, and with that background I went to media 
it's strange to me that you endure being in Iran in the 80s and 90s as an artist, uh, as this It was young, tough, man. But then, not like, but then as things, I mean, in relative terms, start to open up a little bit in the year 2000, what, what was the precipitant for leaving Iran then? That's a love story. First of all, that's a love story. I was ah. in love with this girl, and we, and then uh, we came to US together. But but to be honest with you, I didn't leave Iran because uh, they came and they watched my stage and they prayed on it. I didn't leave Iran because the Irshad, Vezarat Irshad, was rejecting all my plays, and I didn't leave Iran because Sadao Sima wasn't paying me. I left Iran because of fucking people, man. I just, I was getting in fights with people every day. And if I were living, I would be killed by now. I would go on the, on the, on the taxi and I see this guy that he's basically uh, getting too close to the women. There were like three people sitting back in the taxi, right? And uh, it was like this man is trying to uh, harass this woman. And I would raise my voice. I was like, what the fuck you're doing, man? Don't do this. And then usually... Uh, uh, you know those people are macho and they fucking punch you in the fucking face you know so I was getting killed by uh, every day I would go out on the street and things bothered me that maybe it's uh, it's related to how um, the regime is is uh, is uh, putting the pressure on people and making them who they are uh, but people are bothering me in Iran, man. The, 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 the things that was happening, especially with women, and, um, and the way that men, Iranian men treating women in Iran, it was f- bothering me. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I had, I mean, I was in theater. I had a lot of gay friends, and, uh, um, you know, I was, I was feeling that these this people can, can't live in Iran and can't be themselves and they have to always hide something and all right, those right. these things this little like humane things were, were bothering me so much so when i came out of iran and i just uh, you know i happened to uh, had uh, you know girlfriend who brought me to us and and i felt that individualism here i felt like all right so even though i'm a nobody even though i don't have no names even though i have uh, no nothing but i'm still a human being here you know, mm. uh, this is this is the thing that was lacking in Iran for me, and and I and I just just flee Iran because of that. Although the timing is conspicuous, within a year nine nine eleven happens. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and then I had to I had to went through <laughs> that shit. You're kidding me, nine eleven, and I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I I don't believe in religion and all those. But I had to I had to answer for all those things. And and the way I handled that, whoever came to me and 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 looked at me as a terrorist, and I'm like, all right, come hug me. I fucking explode. <laughs> you know, this is this is how I survived all the time with satire and jokes. You know, it, it, it's so interesting that you should. The, the the picture you just painted of Iran or Iranians, at least at that time, 1999, 2000, the, the time when you just, you, it's enough, you left. Um, it's not a rosy one. No. And yet, you know, you didn't come to America and, and change your name to um, Ken. And, uh, and Even though and, they call uh, me Cam here. Cam. Okay, Cam. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you, you have made your life. I mean, within years, you start Parazit, 
which of course becomes this unqualified hit. But um, you're making this for the Iranian community, especially young Iranians, both in Iran and around the world. Yeah, like uh, I told so you, you couldn't you couldn't quit Iran, even even when, though you left. You it was you were determined to still play ball. Yeah, because uh, sometimes in your life you feel like, oh, you're doing something, you're creative, uh, you're putting this creative product out. How many people you want to reach, and who do you want to, who you want you be to be your audience? You know, uh, now you have, uh, like you, I mean, you're you're a good example. Now you're you're having this um, podcast that's reaching out to the Iranian diaspora and everything. You you made that choice, you know, that hey, this is this right now. This could be my audience. I want. I want to educate them. I want to uh, inform them, yep. and there's yep. a reason why you did that, you know. Yep. Yep. And 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 there was a reason for me why I I just uh, left uh, the whole American theater scene or acting scene, and uh, and I started doing something beca- for Iranians because I felt like um, that's where I can be more helpful. Uh, to be honest, I have a feeling that Iran will change with more information. You get you inform uh, Iranian people more. Um, they will change more. You still believe that? Why you still believe that? I still that. believe that. I still believe that uh, if you open up the, uh, the all the block sites and everything else, Iranian people are not uh, like basically they're not stupid. If they're not just informed because they haven't seen the information, the information wasn't available for them. Mm-hmm. So if you av- if you make this information available for people, I think uh, this is how Iran will change. I mean, ironically, isn't part of the information not available because of you? Because Parazi became such a hit that they closed down YouTube. No, no, I, <laughs> no, no, I tried. I you know my my job. My job is to inform people first before comedy. Before me getting satisfaction uh, with my own creativity, and, and before like getting um, like my other nothing up because people laughed at my joke or anything like that, what I enjoy more is when I inform people on something and I get response from people. And no, people come I, back to me and say, "Hey, we got that. We got what you wanted to say." No, what I was actually referencing was uh, I don't know if the story is true, but you know how YouTube is famously not available in Iran or very difficult to access that parasite was part of that that you guys were such a success that it, that was what forced the, the hand of the Iranian government uh, the, the regime to sure, start yeah. shutting down platforms yeah no I remember one uh, uh, I remember that the, um, this police was saying that um, uh, this, it's actually a soundbite out there that, the, that he says that uh, uh, this reporter was asking about the traffic situation in Iran and it was like we got traffic under control because Friday nights we have uh, we don't have much traffic on the streets and there was like exact hours that my show uh, or our show uh, was um, was uh, was broadcasting so it was like uh, it was like mm. a huge deal at the time you know but um, saying that I have to like acknowledge something that the parasite wasn't like a one man show even though I I, I I wrote the concept. I, I I wrote the narrative. I wrote all the scripts. Um, but my partner at the same time, someone helped so much. Yes. To 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 cater this this show to people and this collaborative work that we had together made it happen. It wasn't it wasn't a one man show. Do you have a sense, um, Combies? It's funny to watch though 
the, the interviews with you from that time, you know, t- 10, 11 years ago uh, on CNN or on The Daily Show. And, and you're kind of like a, you, you know, you're, you're kind of like kids who've just put out their, their first album and it's gone number one. I mean, it's like sure. yeah, you, you guys are just like yeah. b- blindsided. What's happening? <laughs> do, you, do you have yeah, a sense sure. now, a decade, sure. a decade removed, why this became such a sensation? I think, uh, uh, first of all, I think it's because um, the the courage that we had to to fight our bosses um, and try to uh, put something new, put our word out. I mean, I would I didn't say anything on air that I didn't believe, and um, and when I wanted to go ahead and self censor myself and do something, I just hated myself, and I didn't do it, and I I just fought for all those words that I said. And uh, when it became a success or when people got noticed, uh, I was so happy because it was my word. It was, it was something I believed. It wasn't something that somebody else told me what to, to say. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I wasn't forced to say those things. They were actually my beliefs. That's why I, I, was, I was so happy at the time. I'm still happy today that after that show, um, so many, um, I mean, it's uh, uh, products uh, has been created in, in Iranian media uh, that they used that experience that we did. Yes. And I'm so happy for that. Yeah. Why did it end? There's, there's confusion about that on the internet, at least. What is, what is the story? What's the, what, what happened with VOA? What's the, why did you guys, you had a hit show and it ended after three years? Uh, I, uh, uh, it's complicated, um, but I don't have like one answer for this. Um, uh, so I, I don't really, I, I, to be honest, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't even know what happened. I, I mean, I, there are legal things that I can talk about that, or I don't, I can talk about, but, uh, at the same time, I, I never understood, uh, why it ended. Uh, but definitely, um, I think it was more personal than professional. How do you know that, I mean, you know, VOA, BBC, Iran International, like all of these networks, as I've keenly learned over the last year of doing Rook and, and heard the voices of Iranians talk, talk about these networks and stuff, everyone has a, a theory about, you know, who who's funding these networks and, you know, therefore whose interests they have in mind and therefore, you know, the, the people who are on these networks sure. are just mouthpieces. H- how do you navigate, Combis, what network to be on given that there are interests involved yeah, the, I always, the, uh, yeah, ahead. I always say, I always say, uh, look at my content, not where I get the money from. So it doesn't matter where you get the money from; it matters what you say. You know, if you, if, 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 uh, yeah, maybe I have a mutual interest with the American government at some point, which I do. I definitely do. I work for Radio Free Europe now. It's an American-funded entity. It's an NGO. But I do have a common interest with American values. That's, that's why, the, I mean, I went to them. It's not like they're, like they're telling me what to say. But hey, freedom, democracy, freedom of speech, and all the shit that you see in America, most of it, I want for, for, uh, for Iranian people too. Uh, so we have a, a me as a like a character as a as a guy as a I don't know media personality. I have something in common with that mission. So that's how I survive. And at the same time, I always tell people: listen to what I say, 
not where I get the money from. Oh, so so assuming that uh, any network that we're talking about would give you that creative and um, editorial. Not any network. Editorial, no, 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 no. I'm asking the question. If yeah. I'm asking about any network. If you had the editorial autonomy, if they said, you know, do whatever you want, would you go to any network? Yeah, I would do the same. You if, would. If, if there's no, yeah, you, you'd go, you go yeah. on Iran International or BBC no, Persian. No, no. Or, I mean, I mean, the show that I broadcast last uh, last week is what I wanted to do. It doesn't matter what network I'm on. That's my show, man. Okay. You know, that's it. I mean, I'm I'm happy that I'm in a network that they're broadcasting my stuff. I but love it. I if, love, if I, I go ev- if I go everywhere else, this is my I would uh, this is my show. I don't I don't change. You know, you do have this. I want to come back to what we talked about earlier in terms of the detractors because you have this massive fan base. It's funny that you started the interview going, uh, no matter what they say about you. <laughs> you know, there are <laughs> there are folks that are not fans of yours. This that's not going to come as a surprise to you. It's it, it comes with the territory. I mean, and and even. A decade ago, you were telling John Stewart. I remember when he interviewed you. You know, whatever you do, they have a problem with you. They say do something else. Yeah. Um, that's that was ten years ago. That can only have amplified. How do you deal with what I have learned around the? Not that it's limited to Iranians. I mean, this is the nature of social media and society these days yeah. in general. But how do you deal with the Iranian community pushback of expecting you or wanting to do you to be one thing or another? I don't. I don't deal with it anymore. I'm I'm just uh, in in the beginning. I was reading comments and it was affecting me so much. I don't do that anymore, man. I'm I'm just trying to do whatever I think it's best and whatever I think is the best of me. You know, I bring that best of. I try every week to bring the best of the best of the best of me out. And uh, the problem with that is that when you do that then you give everything out and then there is like you have to understand there's next week and next show so and then you start like with a blank page again and you think like oh my god you gave your best last week what is how can you top that Hmm. you know so it's i have to top myself all the time i remember when i was having that show in 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 voa uh, my boss was telling me you're as good as the last show yeah, and I'm not gonna give you a lot of editorial uh, limitation. Do whatever fuck you want to do, but uh, you you may be fired after the show airs. So the, the stress, the being on the edge all the time. Wait a minute, uh, they would actually uh, say that you may yeah, be fired yeah. after. What, sure. What would I mean, the- it was it was like partly joking. Okay. But uh, but it was uh, but he was um, he was like I'm giving you uh, more editorial freedom. Uh, so you might be uh, as well behaving. You know? But, you know, I do feel like, not to take the side of your boss, but I do feel like this this business, what we do, it is kind of day trading. Like it's like sure. you're, you're only as good as your last game is actually kind of true. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, you do it, you have a really bad show and you, you got to get back on the horse to have a good show. Otherwise, yeah. it's the last show that what people remember, you know, <laughs> like it's. Yeah, but, uh, but, but, but to be honest, I'm, I'm like a very self-critical kind of person and I, uh, and I feel like I had a lot of bad shows that I'm not satisfied with them. But people, people, you know, people, you whatever you put out, some people like and some people don't. So how I do learned, you how do you shut it out? You just literally I, you don't look at comments anymore at all. 
I, I I do once a while if the like I told you I need approval from friends. Uh-huh. I need I need approval. I don't need approval from mass audience because I know that part of it part of the mass audience will say, "Hey, you're great. You're the genius or whatever." And and then half of it they're going to say, "You suck." You know, so I, I, to me, uh, people who I believe, people who I, they know what I'm doing in terms of uh, my writings, because I write all my shows. You know, I had, I had, I had uh, writers throughout my shows, but they're always like edited, and I made it my own. So my, I'm not uh, only um, a host. You know, mm-hmm. I write my shit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of, one of the things I liked about you was like your opening essays in Q. Yes, I don't know who I don't know who wrote those. Me, but <laughs> the deli- dude, the writing and the delivery and the stress you're giving me that I always wanted to know what your next sentence is. Mm. You know. So it's like you, 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 you deliver a sentence and I'm like, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? You know? So that, that thing, it, it just, I try to apply that in my work, that I, I need to make people thirsty for next sentence all the time. But speaking of like some people like it and some people not, can you explain to me, because you, you would have a, a really interesting insight into this given what you've done for the last two decades. Can you explain from your perspective, why the Iranian diaspora is so factionalized? <laughs> it's one of those questions. Hey, um, it's, 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 it's a very complicated co- uh, question you're asking right now because uh, the thing about uh, Iranians are, is that they're they're passing the red lights in Iran and then they'll give a shit about it and they come to Sweden and they stand behind the red line at 3 a.m. for 15 minutes. And uh, and then when you talk about diaspora, you're talking about people, when people like uh, immigrate to a certain part of this uh, on earth, yes. they, they adopt that, um, uh, that culture. Like Iranians in LA are different than Iranians in Toronto. Like I always say, uh, Iranians in Toronto, they haven't, uh, they still wear the clothing that they brought from Iran. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right. but but right. Iranians, Iranians in LA, they 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 actually those clothes uh, were like uh, they throw it out and they went to H and M and and they bought new ones. You know what I mean? So you can you can always see the difference. Wherever you, you see Iranians in Stockholm are different than Iranians in Berlin. And the but it, but are, it, but there's Iranians within LA who are in separate factions that are like mirror images of the factions that they imported from Iran or sure. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, it's just because hey, I always um, in in my in my shows uh, because it's based on uh, what John Stewart did. I mean, John Stewart has a big impact in my life, and uh, and and then he created this uh, this form of, of a TV shows that uh, I became a, a fond of, and I and I and I basically tried to be get inspired by. Uh, but he always like in order to make fun of people, you gotta take side. But he had this constitution, this American constitution, these values that he could like stand behind and say and make fun of the opposite side. But in Iran, we we, we believe we don't believe in our constitution. We don't have anything to stand behind except this Iranian thing, which is. I don't know. Being nice with no rules, a little bit, a little bit of tarof is a little bit of a civility. You know what I mean? Not too much would be like incivility, you know? but a little bit of it is civility. It's like we've got some 
un, uh, like an unwritten book of um, culture uh, that is not being like officially presented. Ever. Do you think the notion that we as a community around the world could somehow be unified is, I mean, other than at World Cup time, uh, uh, is do do you think that that is a pipe dream? Do you think that that's just a stupid? That's look, impossible. That, uh, but look, the, the thing is about running, you should know, uh, if you go back to history, like we've been, uh, uh, like what kind of, we're survivors, but we're individual survivors. We're good at surviving individually, but we're not good at in the and, 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 and teamwork. Why is that? It's because like Mongolians attacked us. The first thing, like you're sitting at your home, right? And all of a sudden some savages attacking you what do you do you you just like the first thing you do you, you run for your life for your own life no matter if you have a, a wife or kids you run for your life and arabs attack us and all the peoples and all different things and we're we just like this culture of run for your own safety you know uh it's it's become so huge you know we're, we're still like basically uh getting that from our heritage and we're still those those kind of people that we don't like think about group. We mm. think about surviving because because this is how we actually was able to survive and be who we are today. In some cases, we have to run from a brutal regime. You you did an interview a little over a year ago talking about how agents of the regime had been threatening you, yeah. uh, and you in fact you said they'd not been doing so for years and it started again. Yeah. Are you are you still getting those threats and how do you? How do you deal with being under constant threat from the regime? Well, the threats are always, um, I mean, they became different now. They used to be, they used to, they used to like uh, write an email to me or, or, or call me or, or text me or stuff like that. But right now the threats is, is more like they want to do more damage. They want to um, basically hack your social media. They want to, the, the whole the, uh, uh, cancel culture is started from them. They want to, uh, I mean, there is, a, there is this scene in uh, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie, The Dictator, that he's started running. It's like a, it's a track and field thing. And he has a gun and he uh, basically kills all, all competitors in order for, this is how they do it. They yeah. don't want you, they don't want to run next yeah. to your lane and win based on their qualities and their qualifications. They want to eliminate you in order to win because they don't have a right rhetoric for whatever they're trying to portray themselves with, you know? Uh, they're trying to do that, but in the beginning it was like hard, but you get used to it. That's the thing about human being, man. You get even used to threats. And even though you get used to threats, but at the same time, you know, you take like 1% of that thing serious and that fucks your life. Yeah. Because you're always... I mean, uh, do you ever think about not speaking out? Like, do you ever think about being, uh, about just, you know... I can't, man. I, I, my, my, I, it's one, one of the things that is important in your life is your identity, you know? Uh, yes. I mean, think about think about who you are. I mean, the way the, why you you have this show right now is because this is your identity. Yes, and I they can't. I don't allow them to take my identity away from me. You know. Yes, and uh, no, never. You know, before I let you go, you, you said something interesting recently at a at that, at that talk you did at the Oslo talk. You said. You're, you are somebody living in exile. And I thought that that was an interesting choice of word because 
intrinsic to using the word exile is the implication that you would return if you could, I guess, to Iran. Would you? Uh, I don't. I, well, I, I love the food. <laughs> Definitely. Well, 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 you can come to Toronto for that. You don't need to no, go no, all the way I, to Iran. I know, I know. I love, I love Banu a lot. I mean, Banu is my favorite <laughs> restaurant. Um, but um, I don't know, man. I mean, time has passed so much, and I lived more of my life in America than in Iran. I'd, I, I would love to go back. I would love to be able to do what I do in Iran. But I don't know if I go back, they, they're going to accept me as who I am. You know, I don't know. It's just one of those things that you have to do in order to understand. If I, yeah, if I had, right now, I, I can even go to North Korea, but I can't go to Iran. I can go into any country that I want, except Iran that I was born at. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's one of those things. I have to go back. And if, if everything is clear for me to go back, and I can still go back, but I can't get out, you know? Yes, I understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, so, I, I can relate. Yeah. But, I need, but uh, to answer your question, yes, I would love to go back, and I would love to uh, see if I'm happy there and everything. Uh, but it all depends. Time has changed. Um, people has changed. The new generation, like we were talking about, we're Generation X, right? Me and you, uh, and all this. I'll, I don't know about this millennials, man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't. I don't. I don't like fully trusted. Uh, I don't. I'm that is not, correct. I'm not that is sure. Correct. I'm not we, we sure. We shouldn't that, trust them as Gen Xers. Yeah, You're I mean, right, they're yeah. like no, exactly. They're. I mean, I don't know about like oh, I don't Uber Uber share and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about like fuck this guy, fuck that guy. I don't know about the cancel culture, man. I don't know about that. I'd, even though I'm like uh, in a moral point of view, yeah, I'm, I'm, I stand. But our generation, you know what we did? We put Obama, a black guy, in office, and they were they were having a hard time to take uh, Trump out. So. Uh, and they did it with our help. Uh, they couldn't do it. They did this. Just uh, millennials, man. I don't. Uh, I, I don't see him as something productive. Maybe this is controversial. People I'm, I'm are not, gonna like this is attack most, me on this. Yeah, yeah. You, you were doing. You were doing so well using crass words through most of the yeah. interview, but now you've yeah. really done it. Uh, hey, man, I, I, I really, like, I can't tell you enough about how much I enjoy talking to you and, and how yeah, much I valued this. Really, yeah, yeah. like, Volhan. Yeah, what, let me, final question. What, what is the best part of what you do these days? Uh, when I get a message from a certain audience saying, I listened to your show and I decided to not commit suicide anymore. Uh, when I hear uh, a man, a, a, a woman, uh, messaging me saying, "Hey, man, my my husband listened to your other show and he's not violent towards me anymore." Uh, when I see, uh, when I hear, when I get a message from a, a, a gay or lesbian or non-binary person calling me and saying, "Hey, so and so listened to your show and they're treating me better now," uh, the actual impact. You know, the actual impact on the ground uh, makes me more alive. You know, it makes me like, even though if it's not mass of people, like I don't go for, like I don't want like to change the, the half of the society, but one or two like individuals, you know, when they send me these messages, I live for those moments. Beautifully said. 
Thank you, my brother. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time. Thank you for the energy. Thank you so much for doing this. That you refuse Cheers, to you refuse to be on camera because uh, you're too Sorry, handsome. I'm, yeah, Next. no, no. I'm, I just came from the this like one month vacation, and I I've, I I look like uh, Robinson Crusoe. You know? <laughs> Many people love that look. That's a very attractive look. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, thank you. Thank you so much. I, ho I look you, forward John. to the next time. You're yeah. you're you're, you're so great. Thank you. Khuda. Yeah, let's bye -bye. do it. Yeah. Bye bye. Kambi Hosseini, uh, an Iranian American political satirist, actor, TV and radio host. His current program and podcast, Paradox, airs on Radio Fardo. That's the Iranian branch of uh, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. Kambi Hosseini joined me from New York City today. process that i really enjoyed that i very much enjoyed that i'm very thankful for combis coming on and uh and the candor uh wow we we explored a lot there had some fun he he was punchy and uh and predictably perhaps and then um and i i, I love that he shared his his feelings about being uh lonely or uh um what did he call it um uh, tragic uh, I mean that was a very that was very touching. I was moved that he he went there. He, he shared that. Anyway, I, I really enjoyed that. I, the microphone's back on. The fabulous key on. Uh, Captain Reza and Groovy Shia. Anybody want have anything to say? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I was a fan. I'm now. I'm. Uh, I mean, it it continues to being his fan, and uh, I I could connect to the sentence he said that he left Iran because he getting nervous and he he fight every day i really connect with huh. that yeah. yeah 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 i i didn't know i didn't know much about him i'd heard of him and his show and stuff like that but i definitely am a fan of his now he's so candid and <laughs> i love when the interview started he started doing started doing you what his impression <laughs> of the impression his of lousy you. impression of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that every accent that was interesting though but uh super honest guy i love him i love that he wasn't trying to be politically correct and you know just censor himself essentially yeah. just for the sake of the show but he was he was very open and uh this is you see there are a lot of people out there that are sick and tired of political correctness in a in a mm -hmm. not 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 and, and i'm not trying to say that uh, being pc is a bad thing necessarily no it's good being polite is good being respectful of others and sensitive towards other feelings is is it should be our motto in life mm -hmm. but it's it's good to also be able to express yourself freely and practice your freedom of speech and i think and i love that he he did that he did that mm. in this interview he certainly did mm. I love yeah it. I love Keon? It. that was probably your most rook interview we've ever done that was like that was so enjoyable <laughs> from both ends you <laughs> and him it was like being a part of this yeah. cool club i was like oh man i'm hanging half, out with half the cool interview kids. half prize fight yeah you're great no you're great yeah, yeah. oh well that, <laughs> part, that i mean <laughs> i was but that i mean that was lovely i appreciated yeah. that yeah. and, and yeah. I, it was certainly heartfelt from my side i yeah. really appreciate what the guy does you know it's it's uh he's an impressive guy 
And uh, and I should mention, by the way, I didn't mention it uh, in the intro or in the end. He's one of the hosts with Leili Bazargan of the Tirgon. Mm-hmm. There's a Tirgon that the the Persian festival. Yes. Uh, um, they did a a, a Noru's special a video and he's one of he and Laylee are hosting that and uh so people should check that out there's a lot of great content on that uh after hill is on there yes, and yes. babaka amini and uh and shahin yajafi and yeah. so it's it's worth checking out for sure not sure i accepted two of his points that he made oh. that happy people are stupid something like that, <laughs> <laughs> that like, i mean i consider myself a generally happy person i don't think well, i'm stupid uh, and second one <laughs> being that millennials aren't going to make a difference Something oh, like that. I took oh. some offense to that one. I'm surrounded by millennials. <laughs> I was <laughs> I, I, wondering about you guys as he was a, saying that. They're going to get us, combis. That was a generalization. They're coming for us. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you're a millennial, Kiana. Yes, you Reza. I'm, so I'm younger than you, sweetheart. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you again to Kambis Hosseini for coming on. Uh, we have a lot of letters to get to before we end the show today. So let's get to it. Letters of the week. getting louder and louder every week. <laughs> I appreciate Reza's enthusiasm for this uh, segment. Please, right. Keon, what do we have in the letters bag? What are you focusing all on? All right, so last week on episode 98, we had British-Iranian cultural commentator Kimia Yousafi on the show. So we Kimia Yousafi, who goes by Okimia mm-hmm. and has this uh, video channel him. where she does these funny videos, uh, which are fabulous and, yeah. and kind of... <laughs> untangles Persian stereotypes and Persian language yeah. stuff in a really very funny yeah, way. Yeah, it's hilarious, yeah. Uh, so on Instagram, we have username uh, serela 21 says, I really enjoyed listening to Kimya Jun. I love how confidently she speaks, and she should definitely pursue her artistic talent. Mm, nice. And then we have Maria, uh, last name MZDH, wrote, Oh, I thought her TikTok video about singing was a joke or something. But when I heard her, I was like, wait, what? Wow. Wait a second. What? This is so good. I listened to it so many times and tried to sing with her. She really has a great voice. I wish I could hear your voice more, Kimya. She really does have a great voice. Yeah, actually. I heard if it. you she's she's I don't know why she's shy about that. Yeah. She's, uh, her singing voice is brilliant. Beautiful. And then we have username me the book reader wrote, she is perfect. I mean that. I literally enjoyed every second of that. So funny, so beautiful. She has a lovely voice. I like it so much. Honestly, I've listened to it so many times. She's a nice source for British accents. And by the way, the way she speaks Persian is really cute. She should punch them in the nose when they make fun of her on my behalf. I wish her all the best. Wow. And that's in reference to her saying that whenever she speaks Farsi, a lot of the Iranian, like, you know, at, at the restaurant that she works at, Iranians, yeah. you know, give her shit for it, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah, We're used to that, Kim. We sure are. The restaurant we work at. (laughs) (laughs) I brought this up on Friday at Clubhouse, actually. Yeah. uh, yeah. You know, I get a lot of. um, It's not just Persians speaking English who get judged. Mm. It's some of us speaking uh, Persian that sometimes people. We try, and it's, you know, we have an accent, obviously, and our Farsi isn't that good. Even when sometimes people say, oh, it's so cute, I feel like, oh, great, so I sound like a kid. Right, right. I get that too. But that is probably what I sound like. What else you got there? All right, so we got uh, username Bess Resin wrote, Yes, they make their table messy and dirty and say, She's earning money to do this. 
Although I've never been a waitress, it is sad for me to see my people act like this. So Again, this is in reference to Kimia saying that despite the fact she has a law degree, she's, right. uh, she decided to work in a restaurant for a while. She's right. no longer working there, but she was working there and uh, she would take some guff from Iranians, surprisingly right. enough, especially when they would find out that she has a law degree. Exactly. So like, oh, you know, and we actually put up a video of that uh, today uh, yeah, yeah. Of, on our Instagram, uh, that, uh, a clip, a rook moment mm-hmm. of her talking about that because it's, it's, um, it's a very interesting insight to, yeah. to some of the people in our community. Not everybody, but you know, once in a while you get uh, a few of those in our community, unfortunately. And uh, so moving on, on YouTube we have username Ali, last name J, wrote, I've just been introduced to your channel. The thing I love first about your podcast is the music on the show. And the episodes are great too. Very nice. Very Thank nice. you, Ali J. All right, as well, last week on episode 97, we had Iranian-Canadian YouTuber Bahadur Alast on the show. Um, so on YouTube, we have a Ali Reza Monemi wrote, I sneaked in as a Bahadur fan, only to figure out that I'm missing 96 episodes. Happy No Ruse Rook. Nice. nice. Uh, we like Bahadur fans. Thank you. And then we have Sam Spear wrote, uh, Bahadur connects the entire world through what we have in common. He does. Beautiful. And then username... We should explain Bahadur in case you missed it. Please check out the episode. But Bahadur does kind of a language game where he hits different uh, nations and languages and uh, nationalities against each other and finds common words in them. Yeah. It's a a beautiful exercise. and It's big on YouTube. And so that's what people are referencing. And then we have username Kittens wrote, Loved it. Bahadur is the best. What a nice and kind guy. You make us Iranians so proud. And I just subscribed to Rook, thanks to the Bahadur episode. On a side note, I just wanted to recommend for everyone to listen to the Rook episode series dedicated to the Shah and the revolution, starting with the Abbas Milani interview. What I love about this channel is that it makes many of us born or raised outside of Iran more connected. Wow. Isn't that lovely? Love that. Love that you yeah. went back and did that. Bahadur. 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 Yes. My God. Why Let's start I? with your name. Kiyom. You don't. Get it right, Gia. Bahadur. 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 There you go. Oh, my yeah. God. You your Farsi is better you than it. mine now. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> All right. Then we have Dimitri Hasanov wrote... Bahadur, be yourself and stay in your, in your position. Your channel is very important for human connections all around the world. You help people to know each other. Thank you so much and God bless you and your family. Very nice. Very beautiful. And then Gloria McCarthy wrote, Listening to this was so enjoyable. Bahadur should do this more often. And I loved how he mentioned the Irish Manx video, my favorite one on his channel. Yeah, that's a really interesting video, actually. Uh, Irish makes uh, the language within that small area, the language differences and and commonalities. Yeah. That's beautiful. Look at that. It's time for the letter of the week. The letter of the week. I love this one. It just goes to show how important his uh, YouTube channel is. So stay with me here. So Neda Jansipar on YouTube wrote... This episode reminded me of when my father visited me in India years ago. He spoke very little, if at all, any English, but managed to communicate in an invented language comprised of a mixture of Farsi, Hindi, and English. I would often come home to find him sitting with a neighbor, laboriously engaged in conversation, discussing anything from food to world news to even teaching them how to play backgammon. 
They would simply love exploring common words between Hindi and Persian. Dad once said they had figured out the guesswork was actually quite engaging and more fun than trying to look up the words in the English dictionary first. Nice. Isn't that lovely? That's a nice letter. Yeah. Thank you for making that the letter of the week. And thank you. Who was that? Ne- this was Neda John Sipar. Neda. Thank you, Neda John. Thank you, Keon. Thank you, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia. This is full time for Rook for today. Thanks to all you guys who have written in, by the way. We love getting your letters and your posts, and we're trying to read as many of them as we can. We sometimes have to edit them to fit as many as we can in. But thank you for sending them. If you want to check out anything to do with Rook, see all of our back episodes, see that series on the Shaw and the Pahlavi years, 40 years later. Um, you can find all of that at our, web- our website, rookmedia.com, where you can also become a patron, rookmedia.com. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together, producer Susan, Ponce the Artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon Savvy, Roham, Ahayamertad, Master Muhammad, Chef Haas, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shia. Thanks to those of you subscribing. You can do it on all our platforms. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizun Bashi. 